This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name's Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. Very excited for this episode because I often say that you're the uh, Martin Shrikelly of <laughs> Australia. Do you want to let people know who Martin Shrikelly is? I think that's how you pronounce his last name. <laughs> he's the he's affectionately known by Bryce as the Farmer Bro. <laughs> <laughs> he bought a generic drug and increased the price like 10,000% or something. And it was a drug that a lot of people needed to live and it was a whole thing. And Bryce has a, a poster of him on his wall. Again, all <laughs> lies from Ren. All <laughs> lies from Ren. Don't listen to him. But I think if you're interested in the story, you, there's a you, uh, sorry a Netflix series on it. Dirty, is it one of the Dirty, dirty Money I ones? think it's one of the Dirty Money yeah, ones. That's yeah, a good, that's a good series. Yeah, it's a great yeah. series. Very, I think six part, four to six part series yeah. on, on all things fraud related activity and- Really interesting. Yeah. So check it out. Yes. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss. No, we're not here to talk about tube. Rev- sorry, Netflix reviews. <laughs> Even though we we could do an episode on it, maybe we'll think about that down the track. We're gonna jump back into an industry shallow dive, Ren. Industry shallow dive number two. But before we do, yeah, well, you probably have heard an ad for it at the start of this podcast. But in case you haven't, make sure you've penned in, not penciled, penned in. October the 23rd if you're in Melbourne and October the 29th if you're in Sydney because these live shows are creeping up very quickly and we want to make sure everyone has it saved in their diaries and is coming along. Block the whole day out at work. Day after as well if you want. Wow. I mean, I'm not your boss. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. If you can't block your whole day at work and the day after, then block block from 6 (laughs) p.m. Shows will be starting at 6. And Ren, we're very keen to... To I guess meet a lot of our listeners. Yes. Hopefully they come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. if they don't, we'll still have fun. Yeah, you and me. We'll just... There's free booze, isn't there? There is free booze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Actually, don't come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's get stuck in, Ren. We've chosen to do pharmaceutical industry. 
as as our industry shallow dive. Now, this is one that we could perhaps probably afford to do a very deep, deep dive because you could go down many rabbit holes with this one, but we're going to keep it above ground on the top, very shallow. I'm going to try and keep Ren on track because I know this is close to his heart. (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to dive too deep because the pool isn't very deep. It's one of those, you know, ankle deep kiddie pools and uh, we might break our necks if we dive too deep. (laughs) (laughs) So, Ren, what we're going to do is have a bit of an opening monologue from you about your thoughts on the pharmaceutical industry. Then we'll jump into a few stats, all things pharmaceutical. Have a look at some of the factors that you need to consider when investing in the industry and then also discuss some ways in which you can get exposure to the pharmaceutical industry if it's one that you feel like it's something you want to invest in. So, Ren, I'll throw to you and then we'll jump in with a few key stats. Yeah, okay. So, I guess the way I want to frame this is we, we do these shallow dives or these deep dives and we generally talk about Australia, but to just think about the Australian pharmaceutical industry without thinking about its context in the global pharmaceutical industry is a mistake because pharmaceutical the pharmaceutical industry is one of, if not the most, globalised industry in the world. It's characterised by a number of extremely large, uh, vertically and in some cases horizontally integrated multinationals. What What that really means is that you can't think about the Australian industry in isolation because drugs are being produced all over the world these companies then patent these drugs, and we'll we'll talk about what that means in this episode. But they um, they patent these drugs globally, and yeah, we we just we're not we're not isolated in Australia in the same to the same degree that we might be with some other industries. So when you're thinking about this industry, regardless of how shallow you want to dive, you really do have to think about it in the global context. Because the big the big companies, the companies that you've heard of, the Pfizer's, the Johnson and Johnson's, the Bayer's, the GlaxoSmithKline's, like those big pharmaceutical industries, they loom large in Australia and have a big presence in Australia, even though they're not ASX listed. Yeah, good point, Ren. Some of those you can invest in through the US stock market. Well, you can invest you can invest in all of them through uh, the relevant stock market. Mm, I think Pfizer mm. just moved to Ireland for tax reasons, but they might still be based, they still might be listed in the US. Johnson & Johnson is, I'm pretty sure one of the Johnsons is Trump's ambassador to somewhere at the moment. So they're the US. Classic. Yeah. So Pfizer is the, the largest pharmaceutical company in the world as of 2019. $53 billion in revenue from their pharmaceutical side of the business. Now, of course, you know, the likes of Johnson & Johnson as well is, is right up there. They make your No More Tears shampoo as well. <laughs> they do, Ren. They do make my No More Tears shampoo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so they have a pharmaceutical segment as well. They're the third largest in the world, $40 billion in revenue. So the companies that we're talking about here, obviously, Huge, huge companies, and we'll, we'll touch base on them a little bit later. But let's bring it back to Australia, Ren. So from an Australian standpoint, the pharmaceutical industry generated $11 billion in revenue. However, that was a negative 0.1% annual growth rate, So, which, was, which is interesting, facing a lot of cost pressures, I guess. 
they employ about 15,000 people and and across the total industry, there's 446 businesses. Now, I did not find 446 on the ASX, but there are a lot of businesses out there that play in this space. So I guess, what is pharmaceuticals? Well, you're talking about, you know, antibacterial sort of stuff, vaccines, vitamin products. What else, Ren? What comes to mind? Herbals, serum and, and blood products. <laughs> Anything else? What am I missing? Oh, I thought you, I thought you were just going to keep going. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to sort of frame what is a, what is pharmaceutical because it touches I mean, a, lot of, a lot of things. Think, think of pharmaceutical as a subset of the healthcare industry. Yeah. And so if you talk about healthcare in the sense that there's the doctors and hospital part of it, you know, the things that make you well and where you get well, pharmaceuticals are the you know, the, the tools of the industry, I guess. They're the, the medicines, the drugs, the treatments that doctors and hospitals use. Nice. So one of the things we like doing on these shallow dives is, I guess, discussing what are some of the factors that you need to consider that impact on, I guess, growth for these, these companies, revenue, production volumes, research and development. Uh, you know, it's an industry that... <clears throat> has some very specific things that other industries don't necessarily have going on. So let's just bounce off each other. What, what have you got on, on your list as a major consideration when it comes to the pharma industry? So I think pharmaceuticals is completely unique in the product development process and the product development process characterizes everything else in the industry. And so to give people an idea of just how different pharmaceuticals are as a business and how difficult they can be as a business, the Australian Law Reform Commission estimated that it can cost over $900 million to develop and bring a new drug to market. Whoa. Yeah, $900 million and that can take between 10 and 15 years. Wow. So if you think about what companies need to do what to develop a drug – and the investment that they, they make, that then characterizes everything else. And so we'll get into the IP protection, but essentially, you know, your, your normal company creates a product, develops a product, tries to sell as much as possible, and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty simple proposition. The pharmaceuticals, they spend hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars at the front end trying to develop something that may not be possible. And then because of the nature of the patent system, they then have 20 years exclusivity to make as much money on that and recover their initial investment. And then it's a free-for-all, essentially. Everyone can try and copy them. So it, it is a really unique industry in the cost to set up and then the from, you know, just Everything about it's a little bit different. Incredibly high barriers to entry then if you're, if you're thinking about new competitors coming to market to try and compete against some of the big players, the amount of money that needs to go into research and development for, into drugs that, you know, at some point in the future, or I guess in that R&D process, may be deemed to not even work. Yeah. So that's something to consider as well. A lot of these companies, when, you, when you're looking at it from an investment standpoint, it's interesting to track price movement against the R&D process. You'll often see big spikes in prices. They release good news about particular results of products, product testing. However, be very careful when they do because 
sometimes they might even just be saying that they're going to be exploring a new type of drug. You need to be very confident that when you're investing in these companies that uh, you're aware that if the drug does fail, then the share price is actually probably going to suffer as well. From my point of view, Ren, I think you, you mentioned it a bit there. Regulation has a big part to play in the industry, generally being pushed down by by government, but it plays a big part in terms of the demand for products. You know, we have the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. And so I think that's something to consider right across the globe is government's, I guess, view on pharmaceuticals. Equity mine. So just for people who aren't familiar with the pharmaceutical benefits scheme and what it means, the government essentially decide that they're going to subsidise the cost of a whole lot of medicine, a whole lot of drugs, and they make it extremely cheap. I think for pensioners, it's like six bucks. And for people without pension cards, it's still like $30 or something. Like It is just extraordinarily cheap. What that means as an investor, though, is the businesses, the pharmaceutical companies aren't actually selling to patients. They're selling to the government through the PBS. And if you think about the scale at which the government is buying from the PBS, they then have leverage to negotiate very good prices with the pharmaceutical companies. Most countries around the world regulate pharmaceutical prices in, in one way or another. The big exception being the US. And if you follow US politics at all and you listen to their debates around healthcare, a massive part of the debate is around pharmaceutical prices. They're probably having the debate that happened in Australia, I don't know when the PBS was introduced, but decades ago, because in a way, the US subsidises the world's cheap pharmaceuticals. The US pays over and everyone else pays under. But it is, it's, a, it's a really interesting situation. It's great for us as consumers, but for the pharmaceutical companies that you know have spent their $900 million developing a drug, it then makes it hard for them to exploit it when the governments are regulating the price so much. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, Ren. Well, so what else is there? So the, the other side of the regulation is around regulations of hospitals and especially regulations of private health insurance. Just depending on the market, depending on how the healthcare system is set up, there may or may not be regulations that flow through to how private health insurance can buy drugs and stuff like that. The whole industry is just very heavily regulated. Um, yeah. I, and, then, and then I think the we, we've touched on patents, but the most important regulation is the intellectual property protection that pharmaceutical companies rely on and pharmaceutical companies get a real real bad rap hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank linkedin helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. 
Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I, I'm a little bit of a defender of them, to be honest. I think they do have a lot of flaws, but at the end of the day... They're these companies that invest huge amounts of money to try and at least mitigate the effects of disease, if not cure diseases. And the way that these companies can justify this investment, the way that these companies can exist, is the government then gives them a essentially a 20-year exclusivity period. And the trade-off is you make your research and the way that you manufacture your drugs public and then we'll give you a 20-year exclusivity period on making that drug. And then after that, because it's already been made public, then anyone can jump in. And so the pharmaceutical companies get a protected time from the government to, and they'll charge a premium for the drug in that 20-year period. And in theory, they recoup their initial investment plus whatever extra they need to then fund the next round of R&D. And then all of a sudden, because they've made it public, all these cheaper operators can come in and make the drug cheaper. It spurs investment that probably otherwise wouldn't happen. Or would just be unviable from a financial point of view. Yes, but then it wouldn't happen. Yeah, Yeah, you couldn't couldn't do it. It's a fascinating industry. Uh, Again, something that I'm not directly invested in. I guess I have access through some of the large ETFs overseas just by nature of the big big dogs being in those ETFs Johnson and Johnson and the like but not directly not directly uh, invested in any of the major players Ren so so let's move on to exposure I guess and the only one that I could find on the ASX I'm not sure what you've got but uh, I got the ASX ticker is API and it's the Australian pharmaceuticals industry so it's a health and beauty company in Australia that is involved in pharmaceutical distribution wasn't wasn't your stock of the year last year a pharmaceutical company uh i did f- oh yeah it was um yeah, pharma, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, main farmer yeah yeah that so true so if if we if we take a step back yeah you can get exposure to the industry through etfs and you can get exposure to the whole industry that's probably the place to start yeah i think beta, beta shares have one called drug yeah, 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 yeah. But look, every major ETF provider has one, Vanguard, BlackRock, all yeah. of them do. But then, yeah, if we get to company specifics, there's a few ASX-listed companies that are bigger and then there's a fair few that are smaller and that probably goes through the life cycle of these companies because let's say you have an idea to to create a drug that you know, cures cancer, great. So you you go to the market and you say, we've got an idea for a drug that cures cancer. We want to raise X amount of money to fund it. And you get that money, you become publicly listed. And then there's so much uncertainty. There's so much risk. One, your idea might be bad. Two, you might not be able to execute it and develop the drug. Three, it might not get regulatory approval. Four, someone might beat you in that development race and then get a patent which excludes you from producing your drug. So there's so much risk. So what you see is heaps of tiny little small caps, micro caps. And 
as you touched on earlier, what happens is at each stage in the development cycle, if there's good news, they sort of there's a step change up. You know, they announce that they've developed the drug. There's a step change up, but they've still got you know three rounds of approvals. So, or you know, they then they get their patent granted, and then there's a step up, and then they go through the first round of approval and the second round of approval, and bec- and because there's so many hoops to jump through and so many companies fail at each of those stages. What you see is a a lot of small ones, but not very many big ones. And then companies that do get towards the end of that life cycle and do get their drugs closer and closer to being released will often get snapped up by a, you know, a Pfizer or something like that. Yeah. That's a good point. So there's heaps. I didn't write them down. If you just Google, you can, you can pick them up. I think that the big thing with a lot of these companies, it's a it's a real zero or one investment. Yeah, that will a lot of them will fail, and some of them will kill it. And so there's not a lot of middle ground because you either develop the drug and get it to market, or you don't. So I think that that's an important thing: high risk, high reward play. Yeah. So with that in mind, if, if you're unsure but want to get exposure, then it, it seems that the best option would probably be through ETFs. Yeah. There's, there's a stack of them out there that also focus more broadly on the healthcare sector as well. I think the BetaShares fund is not just pharmaceuticals. I think it touches on healthcare more generally. Yeah. Um, and as you said, BlackRock and iShares and all those guys also have a multitude of ETFs available. So check them out if you want. But to your point, Ren, yeah, there's a couple of big ones on the ASX and then some really small micro ones that yeah. if you get the bet right, yeah, pays off. If you're looking at investing in the bigger pharmaceutical companies, the an important thing that investors look at is their pipeline. I had a look at uh, – so you can, you can see all these companies' pipelines – in their annual reports. Pipeline being yeah. the development. Yeah, yeah. The drugs that are in development in-house for them yeah. and where they are in that pipeline. Because if you think about it, you know, you develop a drug, you get a patent and you have 20 years where no one else can copy it, but then that patent expires and people can copy your drug. You need the next drug to support your company's you know, growth and all that. So, it's really important that these bigger companies have a pipeline of drugs coming through. Before this episode, I pulled up Johnson & Johnson's annual report from last year just to see how public it was. And they they just have a page on there which has their pipeline and it says at what stage they're up to. Uh, and they were tracking 15 different drugs that are in, are in development in-house for them. So if you're looking at investing in the big guys, that's probably something to take note of for for me i was a bit like well i've got no idea the technical merits of any of these drugs like i have no idea how far through the process they're going to get but look if you're going to go deep on the industry that's something that's a factor to keep in mind mm-hmm. well that's yeah. kind of their future cash flow right so yeah 100 yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and i think the last point that i have is what we've spoken about is pharmaceutical companies that develop drugs they're probably the companies that have the opportunity to make more money because they uh, they then have that patent period where they can really charge a premium. They're on the cutting edge of curing some diseases or at least treating the symptoms of a lot of diseases. So they're sexier, but they're also the better return generators for investors. However, there's also a 
interesting subset of the industry, which includes Maine Farmer, your stock of the year last year, which the, where they play is not in the development of new drugs, but they play in the development of generics. So once a company's patent has expired, if it's a really popular drug, then a bunch of other companies will make try and make a cheaper version of that drug. Yeah. And so for, you know, your Pfizer's and stuff of the world, they can choose to then try and compete on price and offer a lower price drug or the generics will come in and just try and operate at a lot lower cost. And because they don't have that R&D, like that research and development requirement in their cost base, because these generic manufacturers aren't trying to develop the next cutting edge drug, they generally can operate cheaper than the branded competitors. So a really interesting area of that market is in that generic market. Now, we could get really deep on this, so, but stop me, pull me out. But, <laughs> but the, the, the important thing to keep in mind is for the really popular drugs in the generic market, they then essentially become commoditized because if you're making it and it's, let's say you your cancer drug that you develop then it goes to generics and someone's making it, but someone else thinks they can make it cheaper and there's enough demand, someone will make it cheaper. There's not a lot of barriers to entry because how you make the drug was made public when the patent was filed. So, Well, just just think about paracetamol and ibuprofen, for example. Exactly. Like you yeah, can buy yeah, yeah. many, many different types, but at the end of the day, the substance is the same and you're more generally going to just buy the cheapest option. Yeah, 100%. And so it's and that's where these companies come in. Can the, who really can it's a it's a race to the bottom in some yeah, in some respects. It's low margin, high volume business. Yeah, economies yeah. of scale is where they really win uh win over. Nice. So yeah, I mean, your hero Martin Scricelli, <laughs> yes. however you say his name. Lies. <laughs> his story is sort of illustrative of the generic part of the industry. Yeah. His company found a drug that patent, the patent had expired, but because it wasn't that popular, there wasn't heaps of demand for it. No one had come in and created a generic. And I think that the price was relatively good. It was a drug called Daraprim. When they bought the drug, it was $13.50 a pill, $13.50 a tablet. He raised the price 5,000% to $750 a tablet. And that that was when the whole pharma bro stuff exploded, and then there was a whole lot of other issues. He's he's actually in jail now, not yeah. for this, but for committing fraud on a bunch of other stuff. But what happened was the market then stepped in because there was some demand for this drug, and his company had raised the price to seven hundred and fifty dollars. A generic manufacturer then stepped in and made the drug a lot cheaper and essentially undercut his plan. Sent him out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting one. Yeah. Yeah. The way the whole industry is structured in terms of this patent business is very unique, yeah. I guess, compared to many, many other industries that we that we invest in. So yeah. It can be very exploitative. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So worth uh, having a look at in more detail if you're interested in investing in, in the pharmaceutical industry. Nice, Renwell. As always, it's it's great to chat stocks and markets. Hopefully, we've been able to, I guess, shed some light on on some of the complexities that come with the pharmaceutical industry. I guess some of the the unique aspects as well, um, and also some of the ways in which you can get access if if that's the the route that you want to go down. 
I don't think I'm really invested in it in it at no. m- at all. No, neither am I. I mean, maybe one day, maybe some of the bigger bigger companies. I'm just not. I don't know enough about the industry to yeah. make a bet on a small pharmaceutical company. Requires a lot of research, yeah, and understanding, I guess, of the the longer term demand for potentially the products that they're going to to be producing. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not in the medical industry to really understand that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just you're competing against people that know more. Absolutely. Well, uh, good to chat, and we'll leave it there for now. And chat next week. Sounds good. Equity mates and the people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. This is general advice only. Please speak to a financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your individual situation. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big-